The Chinese proverb is proving true as we are living in very interesting times. As the coronavirus started to fade, 2020 decided to bring up some more past trauma in the form of police brutality, protests, and riots. My initial intention was to discuss judgment and get into the effects of external and internal, but the conversation did become dominant and focused on the role that judgment is playing in this current scenario and what the energetic cost is for giving energies to this global chaotic event. Anytime we can relate a topic to a global scenario that most are participating in is a win in my eyes because these are the subjects that contain the most thirst for insight in this very moment. Of course, there is also a great amount of insight being offered everywhere else, so it is crucial to practice discernment and what is best for you on your journey and current intentions. If you resonate with this episode, please join us on the Sunday evenings. Right now, they are Sundays. Sunday evenings after the episode release for a live Q&A session on Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube. Connect with us on social media. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. Very crucial. And there's always the option to join our Patreon account and support us monetarily while receiving access to our behind-the-scenes content and also an episode shout-out. You can do so by visiting wise-wise.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Much, much, much gratitude. I know we've all been going through so much this year. So we really, really appreciate you guys tuning in to every episode and doing the work on you. If you want to change the world, we must change the internal first. And with that, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility one of the biggest and possibly the toughest skeletons in my closet to uh, work on Alexander is or has been judgment Mm. And I feel like I was able to work hard on eliminating judgment to external sources because I, I did pick up on what the difference was between when I was judging somebody and when I was, I guess, what you would call assessing a right. situation. To Which gain, we want to really break down in this episode. Yeah. yeah, to gain info on the situation and learn from it and it can be your teacher but I feel as if all of that judgment that may have been split between my own personal judgment on myself and the ex- the outside world was then put all internal. Mm. And I feel like I, I'm always hard on myself as far as judging myself and maybe when I fail at 
certain self-development principles that I, that I feel like I have the knowledge to know what to do within my value system and I fail at doing that, I feel like I can be very hard on myself. But, but maybe I'm not. So I want to get into this conversation yeah. and explain deeper on what goes on internally for me and, and hopefully the people out there have similar experiences and we can get to the bottom of what, what is judgment, what is assessment, and then what are, what are we or what am I doing internally and how can I focus on not judging myself and work more towards that. Yeah, and, I, you know, first I want to start off with thanking everybody for joining us and sharing a little story that some of you have heard before, but me talking about when I received this teaching from one of my teachers, Sam, and I was seeking to find a teacher, and I was willing to travel to India. I was willing to travel to anywhere. And then uh, that's when this concept was introduced to me that, if you can assess your environment and what's going on and the roles that people are playing and you can stay out of judgment, you can learn so much more exactly where you are in the life that you're living than potentially traveling far off and uh, studying with a guru or some type of teacher in isolation. Because we really learn so much through our everyday actions. And many times people want to remove themselves from their everyday actions and to go to some other special setup and arrangement to study and learn in. And if you isolate yourself, then you you don't have situations coming in to even test what you're learning, right? Yes, and, and you know, uh, both are useful. There is a time where isolation and, uh, you know, self-study and going inward is very useful. And I, I did that for many years, but it is a different type of study. It's, it's similar to a meditation to where you, you go to the uh, same spot and you have your environment that is optimal and it's very quiet, or you learn to meditate in the marketplace around a thousand people. And that happened to be the way that I was introduced to uh, meditation or what finally run, wound up resonating with me. So yes, we're going to you know, really work to separate this, the difference between assessment and judgment, because there's so much useful information in assessment, but there's so much cost to judgment. Then we can fool ourselves when we, uh, I hear people say all the time that they're not judgmental, that, that they don't do this and they don't do that. And normally the people that are, the more they're talking about it, really the less that they're actually doing it. So I think this is a, a great time to bring this up, especially with everything that's going on in the world, uh, you know, with the coronavirus kind of being put on pause. And now we have all this uh, racial and tension between uh, cops and protesters. And so there's a lot of judgment swirling around and so this is an excellent time to be discussing um, everything that's been going on, maybe how we can heal some of this. So as we normally do at the beginning of our conversations and what I try to do in my personal life is if there are terms that may be loaded that, that you feel may have different perspectives and different uh, meanings behind between you and the other person and in, in our case, just a, a general defining. Can, can we go into defining what is judgment and what is assessment? Yes. Okay. So right off the bat, we want to put judgment under the category of preference. 
and assessment under the category of non-preference. Connected to this whole philosophy is our preferences cloud our ability to see something clearly. Just like if our body's inebriated, we respond differently, we take in information differently. And our preferences uh, do that as well. It like puts a, a little shield or a cloud over what we're seeing. And so part of the biggest practice of this whole platform or this whole philosophy is learning to walk life in non-preference. And that doesn't mean that you don't ever have a preference, but we'll get into that explanation a little bit later. Right now, we want to bring this back around to judgment and assessment. So when I am experiencing something external, say that I'm, let's just give a scenario of sitting in an airport and waiting on my next flight and watching people, just people watching, and say that I hear a woman talking with a child and getting a little maybe aggressive or stern with the child and say maybe the child is acting up and the mother's trying to manage or control the child. And so they're in this conflict and I recognize this and then say the mother says something to the child that I take in as a little bit possibly too far, that I feel that's borderlining on the edge of being traumatic. See, I'm in that situation. I'm judging that. Uh, I'm I'm saying I don't approve with what is happening here. So now back that up and bring assessment into it, because sometimes it's hard for people not to get involved when judgment is there, because uh, people want to correct when judgment is there. They want to fix things. But in assessment, same type of scenario, noticing that that's going on, and in the assessment, being sure to keep out any preference, but paying attention to what the mother is saying, how it is affecting the child, how the child is responding, how whether that is feeding the mother's discipline, the harshness, or softening it, seeing how the the exchange of energy between these two, and then drifting off of that and maybe looking at the person sitting beside the mother. What is the rest of the environment doing? See, at all this time, you're taking in information. You're just assessing. You're not at any point going, oh, she shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. She should be doing this. She should She should be doing that. So the assessing is that you're not choosing somewhere to stand on the subject, You are just taking in all the information, and when a person is able to walk through life through this assessing view, you're able to gain so much information. Uh, I like to say and suggest that, you know, to, to carry true wisdom, you need information and experience, and that equals wisdom. But I don't need to stick my hand in a fire to know enough information of what fire will do to the flesh. That 95% of information of me seeing someone get burned is enough for me to assess and to gather enough information to make the decisions that I need to make in my life. But no, I'm never going to know 100% the amount of information that that person that actually has the experience. But I happen to feel that part of this conscious path is choosing what is enough. What is enough information? And I don't need to go into judgment because judgment is normally going to that next level of wanting to get involved in the experience. And sometimes we need to, but 
many times we can go in with good intentions but create even more complications. So you mentioned that as we're talking about judgment versus assessment, you said it was preference versus non-preference, but you also said that judgment was correction. And what would be the other word that you might use for assessment in the correction versus? Acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, accepting the situation or the person for exactly, you know, where they are, what's going on. But at the same time, the next level, acceptance is the first step, but some people stop there, and that's seen as a loving gesture. But when you're seeking to grow, to expand, you can go to that next level to truly assess the situation by taking all the parties involved equally and being able to look at them completely non-attached and just pay attention to how the energies are interacting in the conflict or the situation. Because that's, once again, from my perception, uh, where the more subtle energy, the more subtle that we can recognize things, the sooner we make the adjustments, the less effect it has on the physical level. So we'll bring back in again, we're always talking about the five different levels of the being, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious So we're always going to be intertwining all five of those levels, and this assessing assists all five of these levels to where judgment actually deteriorates all five of those levels. And it's such a slow deterioration. It's like a literal leakage of energy that most people spend their life in judgment a lot but don't really realize it. It becomes just part of their order of operation. And so normally... If a person doesn't feel like this strong conviction of conflict about something, they don't necessarily think that they judge it. But anything that you choose one thing over another, that's a type of judgment. Anytime that you think that somebody needs to do something different than they're doing, that's a judgment. It's more than just an assessment. Assessment doesn't need anything to be any different than it is. So, I mean, we could uh, just as an example bring in what you were talking about, kind of like the the police versus protesters type of thing um, in regards to how judgment is is placed in certain situations like this where we're judging good versus evil. And I think that's just like a common a common uh, trap in our society that that we fall into uh, often. Or, you know, many of us do. Very much so. Yeah, and in that, uh, you know, we call that in this work duality. The, the high side of that energy is polarity. That, see, these opposites have to exist on this plane. That's what keeps everything in so-called balance. So there's many people saying that the veil's being lifted and consciousness is being raised. But as you raise one, the other has to raise two. When you shine the light, you shine the light on the the beauty but you shine the light on the ugliness too and that's what we're experiencing here but it can create a beautiful transition time uh if it's seen that all of these both sides of these coins are necessary but if it's resisted then it falls into duality now we have to have a winner there has to be a winner here and there has to be a loser and what history has shown us is just a passing of the guard, so to say, of who's the winner. But there's always losers and winners. 
And so this is part of whether you want to call it evolution or just what the way energy plays out. Uh, this seems to be the cycle that we're caught in. So, yes, I do happen to feel that it is a time to change tens of thousands of years. That was the way that was the masculine energy way. But now we're shifting into more of a feminine type of, of way. And that is to unite. It is to communicate. It is to come together and share our differences rather than trying to prove that one is better than the other. I don't just promote passivism, but most true work that sticks is done on an energetic level first and a foundation is set and then the physical forms and then it lasts. But when we try to change things at the physical level first, as many people that's had surgeries and have to go back and have the surgery over sometimes two or three times, see, that's proof that the healing's not happening on multiple levels. It's only being fixed like a mechanic on the physical level, but it continues to be deteriorated. So I think that's what we're just seeing kind of in society right now, and that there is so much judgment, but very few people truly stepping back to assess the situation, see everybody's point of view, and take in all the information before trying to move forward with a solution. And uh, unfortunately, we have to deal with a lot of, uh, of the judgment and the separation views. And that's what our culture is really fighting right now. And I feel from somebody who is trying to stay neutral uh, among all of this chaos, I feel there's a lot of peer pressure to choose a side. And there's even a mantra out there that's being said that silence is violence. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so funny because, like, to me, that reminds me of 1984 with the double speak or double think, where it's like, you know, war is peace, freedom yeah. is slavery. So it's interesting that that polarity is being brought forth. I mean, it rhymes, so it's kind of kind of fun to say. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, to be honest, this this does confuse me a little bit because... I do want to stay neutral because I don't feel like I need to choose a side. I do feel like there's parts of both sides that have truth and parts of both sides that need to be healed and, and, and looked at and list like both sides. There's something to be said and listened by both sides. And so like for somebody like myself who wants to remain neutral, give me, can you give me like on, a, on an energetic level? Um, can you, can you back up my position? on an energetic mm. level and, and, or, or, or maybe, or maybe, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm not, if I don't have a, a, uh, mindset that gels with overall energetic wellness, you know, feel free right. to. No, to I think this correct. is a, gr a great point and a great time to bring this up because I think it, we're going to get into just a little bit of semantics here just because I know you and I know, uh, that, you know, you do carry high intentions and you do, uh, care about change and about equality and all of these values that I appreciate. So, you know, I want to be careful that when we're talking about living in non-preference or the term that you're using to stay neutral, that that doesn't equate to being passive, that we are still uh, being aware of the events that's going on. We're looking at underground news feeds and and things that's just not on the normal media to try to get a more rounded view of what's going on. See, what some people can perceive as being silent and doing nothing, that you're part of the oppressor, that's not what is actually happening here. I agree with that if you just stick your head in the sand and pretend like nothing's going on. 
But just because you're not being vocal, just because you're not showing up to physically protest, does not mean that you're not playing a very intricate part in this overall very important transition that we're in. Just like any war that has armies, they have people that's on the front lines, but the people that are making the decisions about the front lines are sitting back, seemingly doing nothing. But they're gathering intel. They're they're getting the information, and then they are telling what the front line what to do. So on this level, whether you look at it from an energetic standpoint or a spiritual standpoint or a mental, you know, it's really every level and even physical will bring that in as well and spiritual that that there's intention going into each level of that because even during this time. To not be out there on the front lines fighting, you are preserving your physicality, and there may be a time where some of those people get weak and there needs to be rotations. So be careful with those judgments out there, people, that you don't really know what someone is doing or not doing behind the scenes, but many times inaction or non-action can be very misunderstood just as actions can be very misunderstood. You know, anybody that wants to research this a little bit, you know, might be worth checking out Gandhi's path and the way that he basically was part of freeing a whole nation of slavery, the the oppressed, just like we're dealing with right now, through no violence, no looting, completely passive, sitting Uh, protests to where if anybody lashes out, then they're very easily seen. And that's the key. The protest shouldn't be, in my opinion, verbal. As I say, speak your truth, speak it to the wind, the sky, the trees. But the verbiage that's being spoken right now is creating resistance. It's creating retaliation and understand that these people are, are upset and they have a right to be. They're not being heard. But once again, you don't teach someone to listen to you by yelling at them, telling them to listen to you. You teach to listen by listening. You teach to communicate by communicating. Not much is resolved through the yelling. Not much is resolved through the force. Somebody has to lose in that situation. But in a peaceful, communicative union, everyone can win. But there may be some, some adjustments, some sacrifices that have to be made on both sides. But that's what's necessary for growth and change. So once again, as inward, so outward. And this is just a great representation of everything we're going through in our country of where our population is really at internally. It's just been a lot of hatred and anger and bitterness being uh, covered up. For a long time, yes, the veil is being lifted, but the ugliness is is being seen too. Yeah, I was trying to think about these situations going on from an energetic perspective only and how if there is violence on both sides, to me it builds those, I, I would say polarity, but I guess it would be a duality. duality. Yeah, it builds both sides and it separates them more. But if if love comes first and you see the other people as not enemies but humans and you listen and like we've seen videos of police kneeling down with the protesters and having a conversation and exchanging hugs and thank yous and, and gratitude, from an energetic standpoint, when something like that happens, does does it have the reverse effect where 
those polarities kind of morph and, and neutralize like and like the energy actually neutralizes and and kind of subsides well i mean it does in certain areas but it creates it's kind it creates issues in other areas similar to the you know the saying of a butterfly fly flapping its wings you know in one area of the world creates a tsunami in the other area so so see the way that energy exists and builds it builds through friction through resistance so whether that is a duality resistance to where people choose sides see even if you come from so-called love you're going to aggravate hate because they are polarities they're exact opposites and you can't activate one without activating the other that's the way it seems that physics works so in this situation that's why when you used come from it from a loving position i would like to suggest to consider using the terminology to say let's come from an accepting position because sometimes to to be loving to somebody that is your enemy is very unrealistic for most people first we just need to get to acceptance that hey there's something or someone here that sees things very differently from me i have to accept that that is okay first i mean that's the very first thing that the this is the law of polarity, is that I recognize that you have to exist. Now, see, the, the beauty is that when both polarities recognize that they both have to exist, then they never, no longer have to be in duality. Now they come together as one while allowing both to exist. Like, like balance, basically. A balance, yes. But I like to use the term equilibrium over balance because equilibrium is always moving, and that's really what we experience is a fluctuation like a wave form rather than a steady balance. And so this is why it's very important that to hold that love and that compassion in your heart, but... I hear so many people talk about that we just need to come from love. We need to, like, uh, love is the only thing that will heal this. And while I, can, while I can agree with that to a certain extent, I'm going, you're asking people to go a little bit further than is, like, possibly humanly possible at this level of evolution for most people, especially the ones that's upset. I happen to feel that, you know, just a meager opinion here that doesn't mean much to me or anyone else that the very first step is that acceptance and that you don't have to love something that you accept, but you can respect it. You don't have to like something that you respect. So these, these, these are the kind of the challenging, I think, some of the terms when, when things like uh, love is used and when around people that are angry, that can actually make them more angry. So just trying to get, meet, get people to meet at that some of the words have been used as neutral or that acceptance of each other and um, and build from there. With this being helped from both an internal place and external, say using the police force, for example, you know, there needs to be police that hold other policemen accountable and there needs to be citizens that hold citizens accountable. And I don't mean in a forceful way, but in a communicative way in an accepting of accept where you are now please can we communicate a little bit to see if we can shift that just a little bit i'm willing to shift how i am looking at it by coming to you and you giving me information that i didn't have that's what helps me shift my perception so see having that openness 
rather than going to the situation from a duality view of I'm going to prove my point. I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to prove me right. You know, that's what we've been going through for, you know, about 24,000 years. And uh, all of that is crumbling around us. And so hopefully we can catch all of this. The protests can become more peaceful, more communicative. And I do want to give a shout out to the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area for doing so far what seems to be an amazing job with their protests. Um, Better than so far, the outcomes have been better than any other city around. So I did want to give a shout out to the people involved in that. So when you talk about having acceptance, from what you said visually in my head, I can picture like somebody accepting the other side. But what about the acts that have led to the the violence or, or the protesting? Another great, great point, because acceptance does not mean condoning. So just because you accept someone doesn't mean that you condone all of their actions, but you just accept that it can't be any different than it is. So whatever this person or this situation is bringing from their past, acceptance, once again, doesn't have to be approval of it, but it can be forgiveness can be involved to realize that people deserve uh, second chances, so to say. So, so that is a big differentiation between acceptance and condoning. And just because I accept somebody as Jesus suggested to judge not and forgive uh, those that have sinned against you, so to say, that's the very first step is accepting them. For me, what helps a lot is that forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I happen to choose to see through my perspective that anybody that I have viewed that has done me so-called wrong throughout my past, that really wasn't their intention. It hardly ever is a negative intention. Things are misconstrued. Things are misunderstood. And that's what most of our battles in life is really around. Not intentional evil. Not intentional uh, negativity. But misunderstandings, miscommunications that trigger people and create emotional reactions that now that one explosion or one situation may define that person for the rest of their life. And that's just not fair. That's not fair. So, so I hope that helps clear up that accepting someone or something does not mean that you condone their actions, but it means that you're willing to work with them. And if somebody, if you try to work with somebody with or a situation without accepting them for who they are or the situation for what it is, it's not likely to work out in the long term. So in our current reality, I'm not going to name names, group names, but but in the last couple of years, there has been um, some groups pop up that are very emotionally charged and I didn't know they existed until suddenly they existed. And it seems like you have one side that their mindset is that they have this judgment of the, you know, the exact opposite of them. So they've chosen the side based on judgment, you know, not wanting to accept or understand. And then like suddenly that other side pops up just as strong. Right. And it's so funny. I wanted you to talk about the energy of, uh, around like when you choose a side you're gonna you know experience or most likely gonna experience that that other equal energy yeah and that's where you know how we display our energy external uh that's 
plays a big role in what kind of confrontations we, you know, we run into. And um, this is, you know, talking on a subtle level energy and how we attract people or situations into our life. So, you know, that's why a constant uh, practice is so useful around structure and discipline so that when the out of the ordinary happens, you're prepared for that. And that's why doing this work uh, throughout every day and just practicing on all the little things prepare you for the big things. And those that aren't prepared get knocked off kilter. And many times they get sucked into the role of playing the front lines, of being out there in the physical world and having to deal with the repercussions of what they are putting out into the world and the slapback of the polarity that is going to be created. But in these situations, it's the duality. So... So that's why, you know, anything that's done in extremes normally creates a disturbance in the force, so to say. But the extremes have to exist to know the middle. So, so the key is just not feeding the extremes. And so many people put their energy into staying frustrated at the extremes, that they're actually feeding it. Rather than just not giving it attention, accepting that it exists... But I'm going to put my energy and my power into the counteractions of these extremes. I'm going to work in the middle ground here, and I'm going to help soften these extremes while accepting that they have to exist. They always have. They more than likely always will. So that's part of that acceptance. But I don't need to go to war with either one of the extremes. I just shine the light in the direction that I want things to be revealed and then when somebody tries to bring that duality or that opposition to me, I can say, hey, my beef isn't with you. I'm not telling you you need to do anything different. I'm just trying to get more people on my team. If I shine the light the brightest here and show the middle way is much more interesting and rewarding than the extremes, then see, we just lessen the extremes and the power of the extremes. But I do happen to feel that the North Pole and the South Pole has to exist the equator's in the middle. If any of those shifts slightly, everything is destroyed. So see, the equator don't fight the North Pole. It doesn't fight the South Pole. It's content to be there in the middle. And that's all that I'm suggesting here, that the energy has to be in all of those areas. The media focuses on the extremes, and that's what keeps people emotionally charged. And you can't be in the middle emotionally charged so see we're not talking about not caring we're just talking about where are you directing your attention where are you directing your energy what battle are you fighting here and if you're fighting the extremes you're feeding the extremes if you're focusing on the middle and you're shining the light to all those around you to say hey yeah the extremes exist but please don't give them any attention this is like two children throwing a temper tantrum and the adults being on the sideline cheerleading the temper tantrum on or just yelling at the kids getting involved in the temper tantrum when there it has already been proven many times by myself and others that if you bring your energy in calm the energy of the environment the temper tantrums calm down it doesn't have to be done with force it needs to be done energetically to sustain 
And so this is why this is a little bit of a longer track than I think most people are looking at it being. And there is something, a big change that has started. And we'll just see how long people are able to persevere because people on the front lines normally don't persevere very long. It's the people in the backgrounds that's doing the planning, that's seeing the bigger picture, that's able to put more time and energy into it over a longer period of time. So our culture goes through this very often. We get fired up emotionally. Most people put all their energy into the beginning, and then they they wane. They lose attention, and something else shiny is put in front of them or another situation through the media, and they lose interest. And this is a type of thing that has to be worked on for a minimum of seven years to create a whole new life cycle. So this is just the beginning of what I would call a seven-year march minimum to actually affect change. So I didn't realize we were going to bring all this uh, in, but I think it's worked out great. Yeah. It's, it still is around judgment because that's what we're fighting in our culture and with everything that's going on is the judgment card. Yeah, I thought your your media metaphor was perfect because they do, I mean, you have you have the MSNBCs and you have the Fox News and we know that they are polarities or dualities of each other uh and they stoke the fires they stoke the extremes and when people start to wane and go more to get sick of it lose interest go more towards the center they they create another one or talk about something different that you know that is then stoked for a different fire yes and so you know, there's going to be people that follow the, the media and what they're fed, and that's what they base their opinions off of. And then there's going to be other people that seek information in more esoteric or more unknown but possibly uh, less manipulated ways. And when those two people come together, see, they're going to see things very, very differently. And they can't make each other see the way the other person sees because they haven't received the same information. And so... So this is what we're challenged with is everybody's getting different information and then trying to teach each other. <laughs> and, and very few people in our culture truly want to be taught. Everybody wants to be the teacher. So, so this is why there's so many opinions flying around and uh, it takes quite a, lo- a long amount of time uh, to truly gather enough information to make a wise decision. And so... Uh, so that's why we want to be careful to react in this world um, instead of reacting to respond. And respond takes more assessment to where reaction has no assessment. It just reacts. And so, uh, so that's what this whole philosophy is about is getting back to that response and uh, rather than reacting and getting to acceptance is one of the very first steps to move forward with change. And I think the the whole point of what we're trying to say, or at least what I think we're trying to say, is that there is a cost to being judgmental, to being more on the extreme. And, and maybe you can briefly bring up, like, what what is that energetic cost? One thing is, you know, just on the physical body. I mean, it's been proven now, even in our culture, how much stress is causing complications in wellness. And, you know, that's alternative medicine like 101, but we're finally catching up with Western medicine to even uh, get in on this. And But they use that term like stress 
as just a very broad statement, you know, and in this work, we break it down into specific emotions and specific parts of the bodies, and they're all connected in energy centers or chakras. So, so we, we really enjoy like separating all that, but this, you know, first of all, when emotions are created, you know, I happen to feel they're created with the mind. So a physical or mental dis-ease normally does stem from a disruption in the energetic field or our aura. And that energetic field, which Western medicine has recognized, uh, that we do have an energetic field around us, and that energetic field gets damaged from suppression or overreaction of emotions. And that's what is so prevalent right now. So we're dealing with the coronavirus, and now they've just initiated all of this anger and judgment to come in, which is lowering everyone's immune systems. They're they're getting so emotional, and that's one of the biggest pulls on the immune system is emotions that aren't being processed. They're either being stuffed or they're being over-exaggerated. So it comes down to those emotions are stimulated from, guess what? Failures to communicate in our relationships. And that's what's trying to be bridged right now is the relationship between the cops and the civilians, uh, between the, the different races. You know, it's, it's so important to see that the key here is the communication. And so everything that, you know, people are experiencing right now, it is, is affecting them on all of these different levels, these five different levels. But most people don't realize it until it gets to the physical you know, there is a high likelihood that there will be a big second wave. Um, some people are saying because people aren't wearing masks, I happen to feel, because it's the energetic drainage that's going on right now with all the protest and the media stirring up all of the racial and the divide between the, the cops and the civilians, which now the military has been brought in. So, so it just keeps amping up. And so the more you so-called care, the more you feel a need to make a change, the more you put yourself through that, and there are people that have to play that role. It's very high likely that, you know, they will suffer down the road. And this is what I went through going through, you know, working with my wife, losing her to cancer and uh, me being the only caretaker. And I never had any Ill- illness really or sickness or vulnerability in the physical. And then it took me seven years or and even more still to this day. I'm continuing to heal from everything that's happened from that. Uh, so this is what people are, are experiencing on a minor level, more slow, similar to what people that have gone through PTSD type trauma events in a very consolidated uh, time. So stress over a long period of time is very equal to uh, very traumatic where stress is just compounded into a shorter amount of time. And most people don't realize how stress is deteriorating them because it just becomes a part of their personality. And they don't even realize that they are frustrated or they are irritated or they are sad. And that's what we really need to be aware of. And that's what the Wise Wise podcast, the Just Philosophy, is helping to reveal in our community. That we can call on each other to help each other see things that we're not seeing clearly ourselves, but in a loving, supportive way, not a judgmental way but in an understanding and an accepting way that this is the way that energy works and it's either charging our field or deteriorating our field and it's affecting all five of these levels. So I now want to take it internally and let's go into self-judgment. So when I, when I feel like I failed at something, whether it's like in the moment I know I failed or in retrospect, I will 
usually internally kind of get frustrated with myself. But if I'm around another person and I've failed to them or in front of them, I tend to bring attention to it and be like, hey, you know, when you said this, I said this, but I really didn't like that I said that. I really should have said this instead and and maybe shed some light more on on why that is that I felt that way and why that why that was more like a more respectful thing to do for them. And I've had a few people tell me, "Oh, you're too hard on yourself. You know, you don't need to be that hard on yourself. You know, we make we all make mistakes." But to me, I'm like, I'm trying to be the best version of myself as possible. I appreciate you giving me a pass there, but this is just, you know, I, I feel like this is my level of accountability that I'm holding myself to. And, and it's not really me being hard on myself in a way. So I don't know if, if you can understand where I'm coming from in that. And if you have anything to add to that, am I being too hard on myself? Because I, I don't want to be, and I think there is some detriment to being so hard on yourself or having a lot of self-judgment. Um, but at the same time, I do want to hold myself accountable. So where is that line? Well, you know, uh, great point. And I do want to point out that accountability and discipline does not have to be equated to, um, uh, um, to judgment once again that anything that we want to get better at, we have to accept that we're going to fail. We, we increase our skills through the friction and the learning through failure. So with this, it's when someone says that they're being, you're being a little bit too hard on yourself, it may be worth really checking in because that's coming into your field for some reason. Now, once again, we fool ourselves constantly. And this is why having people we can trust around is very useful, but we have to utilize them to say, you know, one of my favorite sayings when I get around somebody I respect is, hey, where do you see that I'm fooling myself? I, li- I like to have a question cocked and loaded that if Jesus Christ walked into the room, that I know exactly what I'm going to ask. And so I ask any wise person that I come across that same question And I suggest everybody to come up with that question. And my question is that, where do you see that I'm fooling myself? So in these situations, we need to hold ourselves accountable. But that doesn't mean that we have to uh, give ourselves some type of of, uh, cost for the discipline. The just the recognition of, okay, I see what I need to do different or better is enough. Not you're such a bad person. And this is the fifth time that you failed at this this week. See, all of that judgment is tearing yourself down, your 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 being down, and it's slowing down the progress to where if you accept and you can tell those people, hey, I really appreciate you looking out for me, but I'm not judging myself. I am just assessing and seeing realistically how much further I have to go before I get to a master level at this particular situation. And I'm being realistic that, you know what, it's probably going to take me a couple more years, two or three more years to work on that. See, to me, that would help that person to understand that, no, it's not what you think. It's actually much deeper than that. And I would love to share that with you because that could be useful to you. Because, see, part of the example that we need to set, holding yourself accountable. And, you know, and that's one of our five pillars of this philosophy is emotional responsibility and accountability. And this is one that many people get challenged with. In that responsibility, in that accountability, 
We don't have to beat ourselves up. The discipline doesn't have to be a whipping, so to say. It can just be the acknowledgement of learning something different. But it is key that however we treat ourselves, is whether we realize it or not, is a very good key of how we are treating others. Once again, whether we realize it or not. So that's why that reflection, even if someone brings it up, it's worth looking at. And in a... In a past uh, Q&A live session that we've done, this same kind of scenario came up, and I believe I, I asked, is there or could there be any information for that other person who's asking? Could they be asking because they don't want to hold themselves accountable to the same level that I am and they feel the, the pressure because I am and sure. around me? You know, especially with you carrying the throat chakra. And anybody that gets around you without the throat chakra in the human design we're talking about, you know, you you pull them to say things that maybe they wouldn't, to ask things. And so, yes, yeah, see, the message can be for them. That's why the gift of whether they, part of the determination of whether they get that gift or that lesson is how you respond. And as generators, both you and I are here to respond, to learn to respond. So that's why if somebody says, hey, you're being a little bit hard on yourself, and you just say, well, no, I'm not. See, that could be your truth, but it's a duality. You just created two different views, and there's not much that's going to be gained out of that. And if it continues, then defensiveness happens to where if you acknowledge, you accept recognition, you go through the explanation of what you are learning, what you are doing, see, it educates them. It can inspire them, and you can actually help someone, possibly much better than telling them what they need to change and what they need to do. I think it's a great question. Yeah, so in a way, you know, if you are doing the self-development work, obviously to work on yourself, but we've said, and I've even mentioned that, you know, coming from the conspiracy realm, that almost like the, the greatest conspiracy for me throughout my experience has been um, the constant lead external and not internal. Yeah. And if we do want to change the world, it, it will start within and that will ripple out to the people around us and, and so on and so on. So, so in a way, we are taking that next step if we do ex- take the time to explain it. We are working on ourselves and then also explaining it in a, in a very neutral way to them. Yeah, so once again, it's, it's working with polarity to accept those differences and then giving the information in a way that can be informative and inspiring. Um, that's done through humility rather than force, rather than ego, and you create a duality. And not much is gained out of dualities except there's going to be, there has to be a winner and a loser in duality, but there doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in polarity. Everything coexists in polarity, in harmony. So that's the power that we do have is through shifting even our perceptions. We actually can be the most used to our loved ones, our family, our friends by, of course, working on ourselves and how we react because that is what feeds other people how we respond rather than react, and that makes people get more comfortable, and that builds community. And you become, you start to feel strong as a tribe or as a unit because you don't have all this duality proving who's right, who's better, who's the leader, who's the followers, and all of that. Um, so I think this was a great subject to bring up. I'm so glad that you uh, suggested that for, for this evening. Yeah, and like what you're talking about, the more 
you have a polarity and stay out of the duality in a community, the more people feel comfortable to be themselves and show them their true selves and open up and be vulnerable. Yes. And, you know, and I want to give a quick uh, example of this. I did see on Facebook this um, wonderful lady that was talking about helping uh, Caucasians and uh, people of not color to understand kind of what was going on. And she was explaining that her experience, like every year of getting pulled over uh, four to six times by the cops every single year and for no reason, and then it being a 45-minute to a one-hour uh, process that they put her through. And she's very well educated. She's very well respected, and uh, she's a mother. She's never had any charges against her in any way, shape, or form. But she was saying that, uh, you know, she learned this technique, and she teaches her daughters to be so informative that at every step she tells the policeman what she's going to do before she does it. She describes the color of her purse, of her wallet, everything before she does it. Then she asks for permission before she makes the move. So she's describing to the nth degree, then she asks for permission, and then she does action. And she said that this normally goes very, very well, but the last time that she went through this, that the officer actually said, thank you, and she was caught off guard, and she said, now I'm scared to death because the energy that they carry is not a supportive energy. And and that's why she developed all this or learned this uh, steps was to to comfort the police officer and when when he said thank you and she said for what he said because you made me feel safe and she said listen to that people that for some reason it's my responsibility to make the cop feel safe so that i can feel safe that's what we're trying to get to change here because it shouldn't be my responsibility to make the cop feel safe and so the beauty of this is that, one, her willingness to communicate and to work with, you know, in a, in a polarity way rather than a duality way. And it was so inspiring that I almost posted it on my wall, but I don't do a lot of that. But it was showing that, you know, they work together. And I can guarantee you that it wouldn't ever go down like that if that particular police officer ever pulled her over again. It would be a whole different process. Because teaching happened there. Compassion happened there. Both parties gave and both parties were vulnerable. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is that it was one person doing their job and getting paid for it and the other person being very inconvenienced in their life. So it's very hard to dissect all of the issues that's going on, but we do want to shine the light on some bright places. And I think that that story was worth mentioning. I did hear the same story you're talking about, and I actually was taught that, and I don't remember how or where, but I always do that when I'm pulled over. I communicate as clearly as possible to make sure that nothing is miscommunicated and they know exactly what my intention is at every step of the process. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I could definitely resonate with that, and I know that it works. Yes, I didn't know that, you know, technique. Of course, I'm normally caught off guard, and, and I've handled them well but certainly not optimally not to to that level and i think some outsiders may judge that as almost like pandering to yes. the, to the cops but but really i'm i don't want to give them a reason right. to to pull anything I, i'm i want to be as clear as possible because and that was her point yeah exactly that, you know inconveniencing yourself a little bit and getting your pride out of the way can make somebody with authority feel comfortable 
See, she didn't, she didn't give her power away in my view. She stood in her power, and she just communicated to another powerful person in that situation. But she had to do it through fear, unfortunately, but she had the discipline to overcome that fear, do what was right, and be able to communicate in a way to where the situation you know, worked out nicely. And unfortunately, too many other times, egos get involved and um, when you strike toward authority, you know, it's going to strike back. And unfortunately, it's backed up by a lot. And um, that's what right now, as people, as civilians, as community, we're trying to create the bond that the police and the military already have. And it's been strengthened for hundreds of years. So that's why community is so important. And being on a similar or same page is so important because they have their tribes or their teams, so to say, and they're very well trained. So it takes uh, some some wisdom and some intelligence of how to approach these things. And I just think that lady and how she handled the cops was a good example of that. All right. So as we close this out, Alexander, any last words for us? Uh, I mean, I know this started out as an episode on judgment and then we got into how important communication is within all this, but... But maybe living in these crazy times, any last words for everybody? Yeah, I think that the main thing is to just see, uh, you know, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. A change has been initiated off the piggyback of uh, the coronavirus, and we still got some stuff more than likely to go through with all that. So patience is an extreme virtue, and you truly affect long-term change by just showing them that you're not going to go away. But we don't have to use so much force in the beginning because you're just going to get force. People normally give in to changing their mind after either being convinced through uh, information or being wore down over time. There's very easy for strength to be strong in the beginning, but every way shower has done it through perseverance over time and we have to stay steady. See, many people say, well, we've, we've given it time. It's been 400, 500 years, whatever, but not steady, consistent, intentional toward the same change and not backing off and not slowing down, but keeping it consistent. And so I think that that's, you know, check your reactions and realize that that is energy that rather than getting rid of in a moment that you could stretch out over days. So that's why responding is so much more important than reacting. Recognize the reaction. Don't judge yourself, but realize the power and the energy that you have. And if you just merely redirect that in a responding application, amazing things can happen and you can sustain it over a long period of time. So patience and perseverance, people. I love you all. Woo! All right, stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment it's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.